Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, Draft Mix. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Draft Nation. My name is Joe 412, and as always, I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. But before we begin, we want to thank our longtime sponsor, iHeartMedia, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. And for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, Draft Nation is pretty unique. It's a national e-magazine that hyper-focuses on all four major sports and the professional drafts. So if you like stuff that is involving the draft. We cover all aspects of player scouting. We do our own mock drafts. We cover free agency. We look into your favorite team salary cap provisions and what they're going to be facing in, in years to come. And of course, the needs for your favorite teams uh, in all aspects. And tonight we have our first return guest, Tony Dunny, who is joining us from Indianapolis tonight. We had, in, we had Tony on back in the fall, right before NFL season, to do a Colts preview uh, and talked about their draft picks and how that might affect the season. But tonight, we're taking a little bit of a spin on that, and we're talking about NBA uh, in particular. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive on a monster trade uh, that happened for the, for the Pacers. And so, Tony, welcome back to Draft Nation, and are you ready to go back on the clock? Yeah, does this mean that uh, from here on out, moving forward, I can be referred to as Tony317? Is that how that works? You could be Tony 317. You could be Tony D. You could be whatever you want, man. You tell me, and I'm going to say it. We'll, we'll go with Tony 317. We'll stick with the uh, the area codes of, of the cities that we belong to. We'll, we'll give you – how about that? We'll go with that. I'm 412. You're 317. All right, 317. The Pacers, monster, monster trade. And for us draft picks sitting on this side of the table, you know, you've got three picks going out. Uh, this – this changes the, the fortunes and the future of the franchise. There's no way of saying it except they've, they've bought in and they've, they've mortgaged out uh, all the draft capital they've got coming up. And I know that you don't think they're even done yet. Uh, but first of all, tell us about the trade. Who was the winner? Who was the loser? Were both winners, both losers? And where do you see the Pacers going here? I mean, what, what's, what's the overall strategy? And, uh, and it looks like they're, they're trying to, 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 to buy some, some talent here. Yeah, I think this goes back uh, a little bit further than the actual trade, and, and, and it really goes back to, to, to guys like Paul George and Victor Oladipo, and, and the biggest things with those players that obviously were traded for better assets, 
Um, is simply the Pacers are willing to make moves to contend in the Eastern Conference. This is a team for years has never gone into uh, the luxury tax, has never wanted to pay that, has always kind of handcuffed themselves. And over the last, you know, 20 years, they went to the NBA Finals against the Lakers in 2000 and had a really good chance, went to the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2014. But but other than, than those two big runs in which, you know, the one in 2014, they had Paul George, and he was still on his rookie contract, and they they brought in Monte Ellis, who at the time was probably the biggest free agent pickup the Pacers have ever had. Uh, then you picked up a David West, who had that veteran uh, presence to him. You had Roy Hibbert on a rookie deal as well. But, but this really shows the Pacers fans that they're ready to take that next step in the Eastern Conference. They're ready – to bring in pieces around Tyrese Halliburton, who they have obviously shown everybody that this is their guy, this is who they're going to build around. They got him in the trade that sent to Monis the bonus, as everybody knows, to the Kings a few years back, and, and they made him a max player. And now they've went out and got another guy who's probably going to be a max player in Pascal Siakam. Um, I think it's a great trade for the Pacers. I personally, with this team, maybe not in an overall sense, but with this team, I would rather have a veteran player to go next to a Tyrese Halliburton and a Miles Turner and some of the other pieces on this team. Uh, and it says we're ready to win now as opposed to, well, we'll go get somebody in the draft. We hope it pans out. Uh, here's why the hope it pans out hasn't worked for Pacers fans and Pacer Nation. It's because it hasn't worked out. They've drafted guys like Goga Batatse and TJ Leaf and Aaron Holiday guys that are no longer on this roster that they thought, okay, we've got a three- to four-year vision of winning, and these guys can develop into those winning players. That simply hasn't happened. Now, on the bench, you have last year's uh, first-round draft pick in Benedict Matherin, who has shown signs of being a guy that can start on this team and really push this team forward as another piece. There's also been some growing pains, some times where he hasn't um, you know, seem, seemingly got along with Rick Carlisle. There's been some times where – you know, his role has diminished with other players like Aaron Nimhart, a guy they got in the draft. Uh, we've seen Ben Shepard, a guy out of Belmont, who they drafted last year uh, towards the end of the first round, I do believe. Might have been early second round. Uh, the pieces are there, but overall this trade really says we're going to go get an all-star. We're going to go get another player to play alongside Tyrese Halliburton that's going to elevate this team that first and foremost wants to be here. It seems like he wants to be here. It was – it was on his short list of destinations was to come to the Pacers and play alongside Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner. Uh, you know, Victor Oladipo, when he was, you know, before he was shipped out, it was always he's going to go to L.A. or Miami. Paul George really handicapped this franchise when he said he was going to opt to become a free agent and then nobody traded for him at the deadline because they knew that they could just make a run at him in free agency having instead of having to give up you know, obviously assets are picked through other players to get Paul George at the deadline. So um, you'll have to re-sign Pascal Siakam coming up this this summer. Uh, there still is a chance that he walks, but the Pacers do own his bird rights. Therefore, they can give him an extra year and more money than any other team um, can give him. And I think at this point uh, in Pascal Siakam's career, that one extra year is worth more. He's 29 years old. If he can if he can be under contract with his Pacers team until he's 34, that'll obviously be his last big contract. And then above all that, too, it's just a player that has championship pedigree. He's been on playoff teams. He's obviously won an NBA championship in Toronto. Um, he, he's very similar to some of the guys that are on this Pacers team. Their first-round draft pick this year, Jairus Walker, eighth overall pick. They traded down a spot to gain a little bit more uh, – to gain, I think, one more pick 
to get the guy that they wanted in Walker. Walker hasn't played too much in the NBA. He's been in the G League. But it's very similar to the path that Pascal Siakam took and going back and forth between the G League and the NBA before he really took off in that Toronto Raptors system. So I think overall it's a great trade for the Pacers. Um, Bruce, Bruce Bowen, who you gave up, sent to Toronto. Um, you paid him a lot of money, and you wanted him because he just came off of a championship with Denver, brought that pedigree. Just really wasn't working out. He's not a bad guy. He didn't badmouth the, the organization when he left, and the organization – didn't badmouth him on the way out. It just didn't work in the system uh, and what Rick Carlisle wanted to do. And, um, you know, yes, do you trade a lot of your picks away? You do. But, man, Joe, these picks over the last 10 or 12 years, they've always flirted with being that eighth seed and either making the playoffs or not and then having the 15th to 22nd pick in the draft, which has led to T.J. Leaf, who didn't pan out, which has led to Goga Batatse, who didn't pan out. Some of these draft picks really haven't panned out. The only two that, that seemingly have over really the last five or six years has been Miles Turner and Benedict Matherin. Matherin's still on his rookie contract, but, but I think it's great for the Pacers, and it, and it screams more than just the trade to bring in a player. Well, you know, there's a couple of things in there that I'd like to unpack. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, the previous Pacer drafts and um, the lack of success that they've had there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that gave them license to move that much draft capital here thing? You know, I don't want to say capitulating. That's not the right word, but almost saying, well, these guys have been truly lottery picks. They're lottery tickets. We don't know what we don't know about them. And here we've got a chance to bring in a guy who's a proven winner uh, that we think is going to marry up to the talent that we have on the team that'll make us more than competitive. And then we can make a run over the next few years. And uh, there is some risk. I mean, you mentioned in, uh, earlier that, you know, he could walk at the end of the year uh, and they would have given up a lot for not giving, but you, you, they do have the ability to extend. They do have the ability to pay above, you know, so there are some things in there that I think are, will play in their favor. I don't think they would have made it if they didn't think he was going to resign. Right. So, but, you know, are, are they locked and loaded? Are we going to see them make a run this year? I know we're almost at the all-star uh, game. I mean, are we, are we going to see, we're going to see them make a run this year, or is this a trade for next year and the year after that? You know, I think, and multiple things come with that. When it comes to trading a guy like Siakam and giving up your trade, your, some of your some of your draft stock, it's one of two things. One, free agents aren't, you know, big name free agents aren't seemingly going to sign in Indiana or in general small town markets, Utah, Memphis, unless you have a superstar that's there, you know. Yes, well, the Grizzlies get some 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 mention and 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 some possible free agents because having John Morant absolutely, and now the Pacers have a guy in Tyree Talliburton who is young. He's locked up here long term, and he makes everybody around him. I mean, there was a run there over three games where he had 42 assists, one turnover, and like 98 points. I mean, it was incredible. I think only John Stockton had put up numbers like that. I think when this Pacers team made that run in the in-season NBA tournament to the finals in which they lost to the Lakers, I think they looked around and said, okay, maybe we are just one, maybe we're closer than what we think. We've knocked off the Celtics four out of five, or excuse me, we've knocked off the the Milwaukee Bucks four out of five times this year. Uh, They're playing the Celtics tonight. Obviously the Celtics, the class of the East, Uh, the Bucks, who knows what's happening. Obviously they have superstars and and Giannis and Dame, and, and they've just brought in Doc Rivers. Um, so you kind of look around the East, and it's like, who are you competing against? And it's Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. 
And then really fourth on down, I mean, the Knicks are, are banged up right now. We know Julius Randle is going to be out for a while. Um, you know, you can compete in the East to host a first-round um, series, maybe even better. Uh, and, 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 and that's going to be huge for this Pacer team, this Pacer franchise that is one of the lowest in attendances on the season. Um, again, I, I don't think they're done yet, and we can get into that. But I think this was a trade to say, hey, we are closer than what we what we thought we were. We brought in some free agents like Obi Toppin, some of our draft uh, capital, Aaron Nimhard, Benedict Matherin, Ben Shepard, uh, are getting some run. Let's let's just go see what we got over the next couple of years. Gain as much playoff experience as we can this year, in which they've kind of already earned that a little bit in that play in that in season play in tournament or the in season tournament. And, yeah, I think this is a big-time run for uh, the upcoming season next year. Now, now, you hinted earlier about the fact that you don't think they're done. Uh, what are you hearing on the ground there? And or um, what, what – I mean, are your, is your spidey sense up? Do you, do you sense something else coming that maybe <laughs> you're being so close to the team and uh, the, that uh, you're, you're, you're getting some, you know, some signals there that no one else is? I mean, what are you hearing? What are you feeling? What do you think they need? You know, I think you first have to look at Buddy Heald and, and, and what situation he is in. Um, it's been inconsistent play out of him so far this season. His defense really lacks, which Pacers score a lot of points, but the Pacers also give up uh, a lot of points. You know, you, you need to look at Buddy Heald and say, is he somebody that you can trade to a contender, maybe the Lakers, maybe the Clippers, maybe the Suns, that could use another shooter you know, you look at the Eric Gordon role right now in Phoenix where he comes in off the bench and, you know, he's putting up five, six, three-pointers and, and averaging points a night. You know, could somebody in the West Conference, maybe even Denver, you know, whose, whose bench isn't, isn't their strong suit, can you maybe then grab another draft pick back for this year? Can you maybe pick up somebody who maybe just needs a change of scenery, which is what they did with Obi Toppin this year? You know, Obi Toppin drafted one of the top – draft picks of the New York Knicks didn't really panned out, showed signs uh, of, of, of greatness and, and then was very inconsistent at times. He comes over to the Pacers. He's kind of found a new role coming off the bench, uh, you know, getting 17, 20 minutes a night. Uh, you know, I think that you first have to look at Buddy Heald. Is that, is there interest on the market for Buddy Heald, which I think that there will be, uh, is maybe Obi Toppin a guy that, uh, would command some interest. You've got Jalen Smith as well. This is a guy that they got in the trade from Phoenix uh, with T.J. Warren a few years ago. Um, he's been up and down. He's been injured. Um, he's a great compliment off the bench to Miles Turner. Uh, but it, but his top and Buddy Heald and Jalen Smith, uh, three players that other teams might have interest in. I mean, as you know, you always have to take phone calls. You always have to, you know, get feelers out there. But if you can move Buddy Heald and maybe get another young asset that would fit or maybe even a draft pick uh, that you can either use in another trade or possibly develop if it's a decent enough draft pick, then I think you have to you have to look at pulling the trigger of maybe moving Buddy Heald out of town. You know, I, I think you, you, you hinted at a few things there that, I you know, they're reasonable. You know, this isn't like pie-in-the-sky fandom. Uh, this is legit. I mean – and I think that that helps, you know, when when 
when people listen to the show, it, it really helps them to understand that hey, these are this is a you know realistic deal. There there's there's room to move here, uh, and I do like your idea of them maybe even swapping uh, for younger or more you know getting some of that draft capital back. But let me you know move from the myopic to you know more uh, a thirty thousand foot uh, view here of of the league. Uh, I'll say generally who you got in the East, who you got in the West. I know we're coming around the final turn here, going getting close to the to the playoffs, and and I think teams are going to you know really start to, to focus in. You know, I'm not asking you to predict the finals, but you know you started talking about the East a little bit and how the Pacers could fit in there and even even host a you know a, a home series if not better, um, but. Who do you realistically see coming out? Like, if you had one or two teams in the East, one or two teams in the West, you know, who who are your favorites at this point? Yeah, I think you know Boston obviously comes to mind. Twenty-one and two at home. They didn't. They finally lost a game at home uh, a week and a half ago on a Friday night to Denver. I think everything's going to have to go through Boston. They're four games ahead of Milwaukee. You know, how do the how do the Bucks adapt now with Doc Rivers out? You know, that firing to me kind of screamed Dame and Giannis came together and said, we want to move on from who we have um, from, from Griffin and let's go get somebody who has that championship pedigree. As far as the 76ers go, I mean, look, if Embiid goes for 70 a night, you know, they're going to be unstoppable. It's obviously not going to happen. Tyrese Maxey's been banged up as well. Um, yeah, you know, I look incredible. at 70 is like Chamberlain kind of stuff. I mean, you're starting to get like stratosphere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously, as you know, it, it, it a lot of it depends on health. You know, where is Miami? This is a team that has made deep runs in the playoffs, being the eighth seed, being the seventh seed. I mean, any team that's coached by Eric Spolstra can never be, um, you know, counted out. Whereas Cleveland, that is Donovan Mitchell, that guy with, with Jared Allen that can, that can move them forward. Uh, I think everything in the East goes through Boston. As far as the West go, I mean, there's two teams that really come to mind is, you know, are they – contenders or are they pretenders and that's hard to say when they're first and third in the west you've got minnesota and you've got oklahoma city with young superstars they just don't have that valuable playoff experience that a team like denver has that a team like the clippers have with harden and westbrook and you know obviously Kawhi leonard who's won a championship and has gone deep you know phoenix is going to be better towards the end of the year than what their 27 and 20 record shows right now. The Lakers are still going to be a force to wreck with. I mean, and even Golden State was on the outside looking in. Are they going to be able to make a move at the deadline to maybe bring some help in? Is maybe a guy like Buddy Heald, is that somebody that they could need? I mean, Clay Thompson kind of on the backside of his career, he's, he's been he's been up and down. Chris Paul really hasn't panned out the way that the Warriors have wanted to. Um, you know, I'm going to, if, 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 if you want me to give a finals prediction right now, it's going to be Denver versus Boston, but, but I'm interested to see what some of these younger teams, what Anthony Edwards and the Timberwolves can do, uh, what Oklahoma city can do, obviously, uh, shy Kilders Alexander. Uh, there's a lot of great, um, pieces that he has there in Oklahoma city. Do they have what it takes to make a deep playoff run knowing that they're not an experienced team, uh, when it comes to the playoffs, but they do have. Uh, you know, great players that are still young. You know, they kind of remind me of the Pacers. I think they're a year ahead of maybe where the Pacers think that they want to be. Obviously, you know, when you have the number one pick in Holmgren playing well, um, you know, Dort still stepping up. My biggest concern with, with Oklahoma City is experience in their bench. But but that's kind of a blueprint that the Pacers have. You know, we got this young superstar. Let's build. Let's get some other former top five, top ten picks around him and, and, and see what we can do. And I think 
I think the Thunder are where the Pacers want to be in a year from now. So as we're nearing, we're, we're nearing the uh, trade deadline here. Uh, I think it's if memory serves, we're looking at the eighth of February. We're only what is that next week almost? You know, maybe ten mm-hmm. days away, less than that. Um, do you see any, you know, just monster moves like we saw the Pacers make? Do you see something out there? Do you see teams just here at the end, a lot of talk and, you know, just, you know, no stake, a lot of sizzle? Uh, are we going to see something serious uh, and someone else try to, to buy themselves a, a shot at the, at the championship? Yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to three teams that are, that are kind of out of it right now. And it's the Hawks, the Bulls and the Jazz. I mean, if any team can go out and get a get a Larry Markkinen who is averaging 25 points a game this season, I mean that's huge. That makes your team better immediately, you know. And and if you're a team like Golden State or you're a team uh, that that is right there trying to get you know the Lakers trying to get back into the playoff uh, hunt, uh, that's a guy that immediately comes to mind. Other guys that immediately come to mind, um, you know, will the Bulls? move on from Levine. Is that somebody that can go and help a, help a team right now? Well, the, the Hawks with, with Murray, you know, Deontay Murray, who is a guy that can score at will, but has been in trade uh, talks all season long. Um, you know, he's, he's got a lot left on his contract and somebody like the Lakers take him on to bring in another score. Um, and same with the Hawks with, with Bogdanovic. I mean, that's the guy that is a pure shooter that can get you 20 a night. Uh, he's averaging, I think, 20 a night this season. Uh, is he somebody that, you know, a veteran team can bring in and use his shooting? Um, another guy that comes to mind, too, that I think could be dealt is Malcolm Brogdon from the Blazers. He's kind of bounced around after being traded out of Indiana. Does, does, does he land on a team maybe like the Warriors to be able to distribute that ball to Clay and Steph Curry? Is he a, is he a guy that, you know, could maybe move to the Kings, a team that's in – you know, the midst of, of, of trying to make the playoffs to back up, um, you know, a, a De'Aaron Fox. So I, I, I think we'll see a lot of movement at the dead, at the deadline. I really do. I mean, do you think the Kings are for real? I mean, they just seem to kind of be flirting. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you think they, they've got a shot of making it here in the end or will they have to make a move to, to get that shot or are they just going to fade? Yeah, I, I think you do have to make a move. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox, obviously, you know, one of the top-tier point guards in the league right now. Demonis yeah, well, is, he, is he enough, though? Like, that's the thing. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. I apologize. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think that that duo of De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis is enough to get you out of the West. I mean, there is some inconsistent play off the bench. You know, you know, in some other – like Malik Monk, is, is he a guy that – can step up and, and get you 15 a night. If Harrison Barnes is on the back end of his career, a guy, Kevin Herter, those type of players have to step up. And, you know, if you just ask, you know, a random NBA fan on the street, they're just going to tell you Harrison Barnes, he's just a guy. Kevin Herter, he's just a guy. Uh, Trey Lyles, who's from here in Indianapolis, who's kind of came on in his career over the last year or two. But again, he's just a guy. You know, you got to have a, a third or even a fourth guy at times that can take over a basketball game, and I just don't think Sacramento has that right now. Let's um, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, you and I off air, we're talking a little bit about uh, you, you know this is the 
time of year where you get the senior bowls and you get uh, all of the post NCAA football season bowls where, where some of these, whether they're seniors or, or, or players that have decided to come into the draft, go out and it's like pre combine combine, right? They get a chance to, to work with some NFL coaches. They get a chance to show themselves off against other talent, especially guys from, from lesser conferences uh, playing, playing up. Uh, but uh, I know you're out in Indiana and there's a couple of guys uh, that are coming out of Notre Dame that are not named Joe Alt <laughs> that plan on plan on uh, you know showing up at some of these to, to make a, a name for themselves as they get ready for the combine at the end of February in their own pro day. Is there anybody that you see uh, that uh, that you're looking forward to seeing over the next week uh, in these practices and in these sort of exhibition games uh, that excites you, whether it's Dame or not? I throw Dame out there because I know they're you know regionally. Uh, you know, uh, you know, out your way. But, you know, ultimately, is there someone there that you think needs to step up or, or someone that you're expecting to step up if, if, or, you know, be challenged by that next level of practice against some of the guys, the best of the best that are going to the next level? Yeah, I think this game itself is just it's, – it's, it's more important than, you know, insert random bowl game here, right? Like what, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the Popeye's Bowl or, you know, the – even even the sun, you know what I mean? Like, this is, you've got a better chance to get eyes on you here to go perform against guys that you know deserve to be there that are going to be um, of the utmost competition that maybe you wouldn't get in some of these bowls. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as Notre Dame goes, you know, um, Sam Howell is obviously a guy that's going to come to mind. You know, he came to Notre Dame as one of the top uh, yardage-wise quarterbacks from Wake Forest. Where does he fit? Is you know he's he, he's drawn some comparisons to a Brock Purdy, which uh, I guess right now is a compliment, right? He's going to go start the Super Bowl, but but if it's a comparison of what he looked like at the Senior Bowl, he ended up being Mister Irrelevant, um, as we know. So so we'll see him down there. It should be interesting. Um, you know, some of the Notre Dame guys, Leafu is a guy that um, I think it's going to be a, a really good player in the NFL. Um, can he have a big week down there? I believe so. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's going to be fun to watch. Cam Hart, as you mentioned, um, obviously just a massive talent that's going to have a chance to uh, maybe move up the draft boards with this before his day. So, uh, I mean, I'm He's looking forward to good, it. He's sneaky good, man. Be, he is sneaky yeah. good. I'm telling you, that guy yeah, is and, underrated. In, in a class that has a bunch of talent coming out, that's a guy that people aren't talking about. And, and, and this Senior Bowl week, the Shrine Bowl stuff, that's where people can make a, make a difference. And then the coaches don't want to talk about it. They want to see it, and then, uh-oh, we're not telling anybody. We're not going to see, you know, please don't do well. You know, let's stop doing what you're doing. We don't want, we don't want anybody to know, right? But I didn't even interrupt you yet. Cam, Cam Hart's one of those guys I want to see how he does. Yeah, I, I think that he's a guy that uh, obviously played really well for Notre Dame. Uh, at times, was even under the radar, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but you know, it's funny. Earlier today, he was on the opposite side of Sam Hartman. I think he ended up intercepting him. If if I saw the highlights correctly, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, and yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's a great way for some of these, you know, players at, at mid-major schools that maybe didn't get the attention because they played the New Orleans Bowl or in the Poinsettia Bowl or whatever bowl to come out and show that, yeah, they can actually compete and, and, and move themselves up or even in some cases down on the draft boards. Look, man, we're coming to the end of the show. I only have a few minutes left here, and I've got to ask two questions. The first one's the most important one. Are you or are you not a Swifty? 
<laughs> that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm not. As, <laughs> I'm, uh, well, the reason I asked is question number two. I'll, I'll take you off. You don't have to answer that. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But with the the Taylor Swift Bowl that's coming up here in, in two weeks, uh, it, I don't think it surprised anybody that we have the 49ers versus the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs have been just rolling the last five years, and they, you get this little kind of rematch coming up with the, with the Niners. Uh, the Niners are loaded. Uh, it's hard. You know, I, I don't know who's going to win in this. I have to really sit down and think about it because I think the Chiefs – the Chiefs can match them offensively, but I'm not sure they can match them defensively. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to the Niners, but it's, you know, the, with the Kelsey Swift bowl thing that's, that's happening, I, I, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me that they ended up, uh, you know, uh, carrying this over. I'm surprised she doesn't go on with Usher at halftime. But who do you got and why do you got them? You know, it's funny. Throughout um, all of our contests in the playoffs on the Fans Place app, I've picked the Chiefs and I've picked Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown. Um, I do have a I, I, I placed a bet last year after the Super Bowl. It was a fifty dollar free bet on the on the Chiefs to come back and win this year. So I'm I'm obviously pulling for that. I've always liked Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know I'm glad that the whole Taylor Swift thing hasn't really became a distraction. I think they're what they're nine and three in games that she's attended. Um, you know <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> Uh, I think I, I guess I read a lot. Of the, the internet's a hell of a drug. Uh-huh. I guess you, I guess you yeah, read a lot of it. That, um, that sounds like someone that's betting. <laughs> yeah, well, and, uh, and you know, I look at it, it like this: Is it annoying that they constantly show her? And I think she's annoyed that they constantly show her. But look, I- anybody in a supporting relationship that wants to go out and support their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and it's showing a lot of young men and women that are growing up watching the game, what it's like to support your your significant other. I can't say anything negative about that. Um, I think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be close. If the Niners play in the first half like they have against the Packers, who are an upstart team, and the Lions, who I think were, are a yep. flash in the pan, um, the Chiefs will put them away. And the Chiefs will absolutely put them away. They're, they're too good. They're too experienced. I think if – if if you know that was an Eagles team playing against the four, the 49ers, they I mean obviously the Eagles didn't look as good as what they've been uh, you know down the stretch this year, but an experienced team with, with with playoff pedigree, I think you know they wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl again. They got a, to a Lions team flashing a pan. Um, it really doesn't obviously the the pressure of being in the second NFC Championship of that of that franchise. Uh, and then a Packers team who, who I'm a fan of, I think is going to be good over the next several years, but just too many young players uh, in a tough road environment. You, you get out big and then obviously CMC. I mean, I, make Brock Purdy beat you. Make make those weapons not named Christian McCaffrey beat you. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the chiefs. Uh, your first prediction. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to the chiefs here. 31, 27. Well, Tony317 from Joe412's Heart, thanks again for coming on the show. And a big thanks to our sponsor, iHeartMedia, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. Tony, welcome back anytime. Let's talk about this uh, in a few months when we get back into draft season. Have you on the show again, and we'll go from there. And remember, for everyone who's listening, when Draft Nation's off the air, we're still always on the clock for you. Thanks again, Tony. <laughs> 